Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Happening. I'm excited about today. Turn your Bibles this morning, if you would, to, uh, we're going to go to two different places, and they're both in the New Testament. One of them is one of the Gospels. It's actually the very first Gospel of the New Testament. It's called the Book of Matthew. And uh, you can go to Matthew chapter 14. Um, if, you're, if you're new to church, uh, like so many are, uh, the Bible's broken up into two sections, really, the Old Testament, the New Testament. When you find your way, it's kind of, you know, further into the Bible. Then when you find your way to the New Testament, the very first book there is going to be the book of Matthew. And then the, the, each book is broken up into chapters, and you can just thumb through it. You'll see it, chapter 1, 2, 3. We're going to go to 14. And then I want you to hold your finger there, and then I want you to keep going and, and moving those pages from right to left, and we're going to come to a book called Hebrews, and we're going to read a portion out of Hebrews as well, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read one verse there, and then we're going to jump back to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we are in a series entitled Detox, and I've been getting so uh, much incredible feedback on this series about how God is literally uh, dealing with some things in people's lives. I know God's been dealing with some things in my life. Uh, we set out on this journey together, this detox series, and literally asking the Holy Spirit, would you come and would you search our life and would you remove some barriers? Would you detox us from some things that are in our life so that we can lay hold of that which you have laid hold of us for, so that we can fulfill that God's best in our life? And so we've been on this journey talking about many different things, uh, looking at them scripturally. Last week, my wife preached an amazing word um, about detoxing from toxic words. How many of you guys got something out of that last week? And uh, incredible, at the end of that message, come on, actually two people, listen to this. Our young people, and great things happening. On last Friday night, two young people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ at the youth night. Come on. And last week in our services, come on, five people said yes to Jesus Christ for the first time. See, if that was your son or your daughter, you probably would have jumped up out of your seat, danced around the whole room, waved flags, got the tambourine out. Come on, somebody. Okay, but you got to understand something. That's his son and his daughter, amen? So I want you to know seven people last weekend, come on, gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if you're here and you're like, I don't know, this might not be my church. This church is a little loud. You're right, we loud. We love to celebrate, amen? And uh, so last week, man, what an incredible weekend as we learned to detox from toxic words, things that have been spoken over us. And honestly, the greatest way we can do that is by tapping into what God says about us, amen, tapping into his word. So we're going to do that today, and we're going to tackle this thought of fear, detoxing from toxic fear. How many of you guys did something for Halloween last night, right? A few of you. It's okay. This is not a trick question. You're like, I'm in church, you know. Uh, you know, we, we did some stuff for Halloween last night, and you know, for some people it's a time to dress up in really scary things and maybe even get scared and go to haunted houses and things like that. We're not going to talk necessarily about that type of fear, although that is a type of fear, um, but we're going to talk about uh, that fear that holds you back, come on, from laying hold of the best that God has for you. Amen? And so we're going to read some scriptures now. Uh, we're going to start in Hebrews 11, verse 6. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? If you go back just a few verses and you look at Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. What is faith? It's the reality of what is hoped for. In other words, it's that assurance that even though I don't have what I'm believing for yet, even though I don't tangibly have it right here, I have an assurance in Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross and hope through that that I'm going to lay hold of it. Are you with me? 
Okay, so that's what faith is. Faith is, even though I don't have it yet, I know I'm going to, okay? And it says this in verse six. It says, now without faith, it is impossible to please God. I got a great question. How many of you guys want to please God? Okay, how many of you guys are still trying to figure out you're not sure yet? Okay, some days I don't know if I, I do, but, but here's the key. Without faith, which is the antithesis of fear, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. And so here we have been on this series entitled Detox. Why do we want to detox from these things? Because we want to fulfill God's best for our life. Because we want to draw closer to him. We want to draw more, more near to him. Well, right here in Hebrews eleven six, it gives us one of the greatest keys ever on how we can draw near to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So in other words, if faith is the antithesis of fear, if we are walking in fear in any area of our life, it could be that we're not pleasing God. You with me? But I want to please God. I want to please God in this church that I'm pastoring. I want to please God in, in my family. I want to please God in my, my finances. I want to please God. When I get a bad report from the doctor, come on, I don't want to walk in fear. I want to walk in faith, believing that he's Jehovah Rapha, my healer and my help. You with me? And so here we see in Scripture that we've got to have faith to please God. And I think I saw every hand go up in this place saying, yeah, I want to please God. I know I want to please God, and so therefore I need to walk forward in faith. I need to walk forward with that insurance. Are you with me? That assurance that even though I don't possess the financial provision yet, come on, somebody. Even though I don't you know, you know, uh, tangibly have the healing in my body yet, come on, I believe that it's mine in Jesus' mighty name. Now go with me over to where you're holding your finger, Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read verses 22 through 33, and we're going to read about a guy here that had to have some faith uh, to get out of a boat and walk on some water. Maybe you've heard this story before. Here it is. It says this, Matthew chapter 14. Uh, it's a crazy chapter. At the beginning of the chapter, uh, we, we see that John, uh, Jesus' relative, is beheaded. Um, this is a point of sorrow, but even in that moment of sorrow, Jesus keeps his focus on, on what he's there for. And the next po portion of that uh, chapter is about the feeding of the 5,000 and this miracle that took place. Pretty powerful. And then now he begins, to, he begins to leave the masses, and he begins to focus in on his disciples, his followers, and teaches them a very great principle here. Chapter 14, verse 22, and it says, immediately. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While well, he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already over a mile from land. It's a long ways out in its journey heading to its destination. Battered by the waves because the wind was against them around three in the morning. Some of you saw that last night. Come on, be honest. You were out partying. Around three in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea. And when the disciples, the devoted people, the ones following him, the ones that knew him, saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, ah, it's a ghost. Pretty sure that's what they sounded like. They said and cried out in fear. Notice fear, the antithesis of faith. Immediately Jesus spoke to them. He recognized they were afraid and he said, hey, have courage. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. It's me. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter 
started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now look at this, verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What happened? Fear entered Peter in the journey from the boat to Jesus, and that fear caused him to begin to sink. And Jesus recognizes again, why did you have little faith? Aren't you glad I didn't say, why do you have no faith? Come on, he made it a little ways. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray in the next few moments that we have together that, Lord, you would just speak to us clearly. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that walked into this place today that are uh, literally have toxic fear in their life. Lord, fear of the future, fear of some unknown circumstance, fear in a relationship, fear in a financial realm, whatever it might be, and it's holding them back, God, from fulfilling uh, the best that you have for them. I pray that today, that through your word and by your grace, we would detox from fear and walk out of here faith-filled in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone set? Well, never one, but we'll take it. Amen. Amen. Uh, last weekend, uh, we went away on a Friday night. Uh, not we, but me and some guys. How many of you guys went to the men's getaway retreat? Come on. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's a guy thing, right? Uh, there we go. Thank you, Josh. And uh, we went away on a guys' retreat. We had an incredible time. It was actually the first one we've ever, uh, Pastor Brandon put it together. The first one we've ever done here, I think, as a church. And that was just a great time. And uh, there was like 20 of us up in the mountains just hanging out, uh, learning about Jesus, growing together, getting to know one another. And uh, we, we did a lot of different things. You know, we shot bows and arrows. Come on, somebody. They didn't have guns. I was going to shot those. We shot bows and arrows. And we played football. And we played basketball. And we went canoeing. I know it doesn't sound too manly, but it was. All right? We, we did canoe races, okay? And uh, so we made everything we did very manly. We didn't eat with forks and knives. Come on, we just, you know, with me? That's what guys do. And, uh, and one of the things we did on the last day is we did a, a little thing called the ropes course. Anybody ever done a ropes course before? A few of you, okay. We did a ropes course. A lot of, uh, you know, leadership training places do these types of things, and they use it as a leadership principle and whatnot. Now, something you might not know about me is I'm afraid of heights. True story. I'm afraid of heights. And so, and I know some of you are looking out there like, she wimp. You, you, hold on a second. You like five foot nothing, all right? When you're standing on a platform, it's like, it's like, you know, this high. When I'm standing on a platform, come on, somebody, it's this high. All right? I'm tall. And so other people get up there, and they're like, oh, this isn't that bad. And they jump and do stuff. I get up there, I'm like, whoa. Right? I know sometimes I get afraid just walking around because I'm so tall. I'm like, what's good? <laughs> and so they asked at the beginning of this thing, they said, hey, um, um, how many, is anybody here afraid of heights? And I didn't even hesitate, because I knew if I hesitated that I probably wouldn't raise my hand. So I said, I don't know if this is manly or not, but my hand just went straight up. And they all looked around, and then some of them actually laughed, like, you're tall. And I'm like, you're stupid. And uh, <laughs> it was a guy's thing. I could do that. And, uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'm afraid of heights. And what made me feel good, though, was one of the workers that actually works the rope course, she raised her hand, too. And I'm like, you in the wrong business, girl. <laughs> you know, like. Okay, but I, I raised my hand, and I, I know some of the other guys were, but they were being too manly to raise their hands. I'm not going to mention any names, Jeff. And so um, <laughs> I, I was afraid of heights, man. I'm, I'm just be straight up. And so, uh, you know, I think I was the third one to go, and so we got to do two of them. One, was, one of them was the leap of faith, and you get up on this little platform, and you're strapped to this harness. The scary thing about this was the girl that raised her hand that works there that says she's scared of heights, she was at the bottom holding my rope. Yeah, but she's like a buck ten, and so she was like harnessed into like a, a post in the ground, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. 
But the other one we did is, I don't know what they call it, but you, you shimmy across on this wire, and you have these ropes hanging, and you, you have one rope, and you shimmy, and then you got to reach, reach for the other rope. Anybody ever done that one before? You ever seen it? Okay, it, it, it's freaky. And so I'm up there, and, and, and I'm fine as long as I have the rope in my hand. Like, the legs aren't wobbly. I'm good, you know. This ain't bad. But as soon as I begin to transition and reach for the other rope and let go of that one, my legs start going like that, Right? And I start wobbling. And so as I was doing this and going from run, well, I think there's like five of them you got to get to. And literally in between every transition, it's like you start to shake and you hold on. You let go. And all of a sudden you get the rope and you're like, okay, I'm holding on. I'm good. And what one of the instructors did is they'd start asking you a question. And I discovered why. It had nothing to do with your response. It had everything to do with your focus. And as I was going from one rope to the other rope, he would say, hey, hey, hold on. What's that next rope represent? And all of a sudden, you begin to think about it. And, and you begin to, all of a sudden, your legs weren't shaking anymore. And you just grab onto it. And then all of a sudden, you come to and realize, you're like, whoa, you're right? And he'd ask these questions to get you. And, and all of a sudden, he goes, hey, whatever you thought about on that last one, think about that. I was like, I was thinking about my wife. <laughs> think about that. Because whatever you were doing, your, your legs weren't shaking. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they were. Why was it? It was because when I'm holding on to a rope, ladies and gentlemen, I don't need any faith. When I get to this rope over here, I don't need any faith. I have the rope to hold on to, and I will hold on to it as long as I need to. Are you with me? And then when I get to this one over here, guess what? I, I, I don't need any faith anymore. I can just hold on to that rope. I'm secure. I'm good. You need to know something this morning that all of us that call ourselves Christians, all of us that are pursuing a life uh, of Christ, here's what you need to understand. You live in between these moments of what God said and the fulfillment of what he told you. God speaks over here, and then he says, hey, you can do this. But you have to be willing to let go of what God said in order to get to the fulfillment of what he spoke. And it is in that moment, ladies and gentlemen, that we live the majority of our spiritual life. We live in the in-between seasons. That's why Jesus said, uh, we, we, um, uh, what did he say? I just read 11, uh, Hebrews 11, 6. What did it say? Without faith, see some people are listening. That's why Hebrews says without faith it's impossible to please God because you and I, listen, if you look through your Bible, so many times God spoke to somebody and they weren't even expecting it, right? You think about Moses, I think we talked about him in this series. Moses is out leading sheep around for water and food, just minding his own business. He wasn't out there, God, give me a word. He wasn't looking for a burning bush. He was just doing his own thing. God shows up. Think about, think about little Mary. Christmas is coming. Anybody excited for Christmas? Come on, you go to the shops. The trees are up. Man, it smells good. I'm excited. For, I love Christmas. Okay? But, but the, the story of Christmas, you know, the little girl, Mary, wasn't like she was laying in her bed like, I really, really want to be pregnant. I would really honestly, if I'm going to be honest with you, God in heaven, I would really like to birth you on the earth physically. <laughs> right? One like she was up there praying. She was just trying to get some winks, but, you know, she wasn't falling asleep. And all of a sudden, an angel comes and listen to what the angel says. Hey, don't be afraid. Shh, it's okay. So it's not like she had all this faith believing for that. Here's why. You don't need faith for what God says. You don't even need faith for when you get to what he said, 
you need faith for the in-between moment to go from here to there. Are you with me? And it's in that transition, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I live. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why is it impossible to please God? Because God spoke something here, and I believe he really does want you to fulfill it. But here's the key. It's what happens in the in-between moments that's so crucial. I can either walk this with fear, or I can walk it with faith. And here's what I've come to realize. That the sooner I latch on to the idea of faith, the quicker I would get to that next rope. And the sooner you would take a step away from what God's saying and step into what he wants you to do in faith, believing, I believe on my heart that something supernatural happens here, that you can lessen the gap. You with me this morning? How many of you say, man, I've heard from God, whether it be a, I read a verse or maybe a phenomenal preacher at Canvas preached a message and it really spoke to me. And uh, you would say, man, I heard a word from God. You know, maybe not audible. Anybody here say, man, I, I you know, read a scripture. I, you know, someone said something to me that meant a lot, okay? And yet I'm not there yet. It's how we live in these moments that take us there. Are you with me today? I mean, there's, there's so many stories. We could talk about the children of Israel in the Old Testament when, when Moses was raised up. And, you know, to stand before Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay? And they, where were they to go? They were to go to a land called Canaan. It was the promised land. They were to leave Egypt, leave behind that. Hey, Moses, yeah, this is what I want you to do. Okay. And there was a distance between Egypt and Canaan. And that journey took faith. Okay? But guess what happened? Most people think it was somewhere between an eight to an 11 day journey. And if you read your Bible, guess how long that journey actually took them to get into the promised land? 40 years. There's <sighs> something we can learn from that. Because the Bible says in Hebrews, this same book that we just read today, the Bible says in Hebrews it was because of their wicked heart of unbelief that it took them so long that an eight to an 11 day journey took 40 years to finally possess what God already said was theirs. And it was in that 40 years, though, that, that they learned some things, right? That they learned to have a, a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, to walk in faith, to honor, to honor those that are over them, to, are you with me this morning? That's just one story. You could, you could look at a guy named David. Anybody heard of the story of David? David, the little shepherd boy anointed to be king, right? Something like, something like 15 to 17 years from the time that that oil was poured on him. Hey, David, you're going to be king. Awesome. Wow. 15 to 17 years, but it's what he learned in the in-between season. It's what he learned as he walked in faith. What about a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament? That's another one. Took some, some 14, 15 years from the time that he had this dream and this vision. This is what you're going to do. Wow. Everyone's going to bow to me. And that journey, it's what took place in those moments that I believe in. Here's what I, I believe with all my heart. I believe it's those moments, honestly, that can lessen the gap. It's what we learn in there. It's what happens in there. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 7, that we ought to walk by faith, not by sight. On one of the obstacles at the men's getaway, you could actually put a blindfold on and do it blindfolded. And it really seemed like, oh, that's like, wow, that must be really intense. But you know what they said? They said it's actually easier to do it blindfolded. Because you can't see the stuff around you. You don't realize how high you are. All of a sudden, 
that obstacle of height is gone and people are just, are you with me? The Bible encourages us, hey, in this in-between season, we need to walk by faith, not by sight. Where does that faith come from? Romans tells us, Romans 12, 3 says that God has given each of us a measure of faith. Why did he give us a measure of faith? Because he knew we would need it when he said, hey, this is what I want you to do. Okay. And you have enough faith now to step out and begin to do it. But what's great is as you continue to walk forward in faith to lay hold of what he said, your faith grows and increases. Are you with me? Okay. Because once you get here, guess what? When you get to that God set, he's going to have another one for you. And we live in those moments, and therefore we need faith. I don't know about you, but I want to detox from fear this morning. I don't want to have fear in my life. Why? Because fear limits us. It limits us. We're going to see in just a moment. It limits us to the boat. Fear limits us. It, it causes us to doubt, to question, to wonder. Fear looks back. What if we would have stayed back there? This wouldn't be so uncomfortable causes you to look back. It causes you to begin to get ungrateful. Anybody ever found themselves ungrateful before? Don't raise your hand. Ungrateful causes us to walk in disobedience. I want to detox from fear today, and I want God, come on, to detox all of us from fear so that we can lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of us. Matthew chapter 14. Here we have a great story that I believe paints this picture that we're talking about today. Jesus tells the disciples that are with him to, to get into the boat, and hey, we're, we're, we got, we're on a destination. They got there, God said, hey, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. So they get in the boat, and they shove off. Jesus goes, stays back, says goodbye to the crowds, goes up and prays a little while. About three in the morning, he sees that, man, there's a storm happening, and Jesus comes walking on the water to them. And this is where the story begins to take a massive turn. When they started out, it was all about the destination. It was all about getting to the other side. But somewhere in the middle, something happens, and it's no longer about getting to the destination. It's about getting to Jesus. And honestly, I think that's the point of the journey. I think that's the point. I mean, I remember when God spoke to Katie and I to start Canvas Church back in Northwest University in, in, in Washington State in a chapel service, and God began to speak to us, and we were just engaged at the time. And God began to give us a vision of a church, and we didn't know where it would be at that moment, but then within 12 months, God would begin to orchestrate and put things together and show us where we would head out into ministry and be youth pastors and fall in love with this incredible city. Does anybody love their city? Come on. I love going on vacations to places because I still get to come home to San Diego. Come on, somebody. You with me? I mean, could you imagine going to North Dakota? I mean, coming back from the tropics, you'd be like, oh, where are you going, North Dakota? Where am I going home to San Diego? Come on, somebody. Love this city. Fall in love with this city. And God speaks to us for this city and says, you're going to have a church in this city. And God showed us all these uh, amazing things, and, and we're seeing many of them play out before our eyes right now. What are those amazing things? They're faces of people who God's touching by his grace. We would see ministries, and we'd see thousands of people, and so here we are still, I believe, in the middle of this journey. But I've learned something, ladies and gentlemen. It's not always about the destination. It's about what takes place in the journey to the destination. It wasn't about getting to the other side. We see it right here. Jesus shows up in the middle and everything begins to turn. Why? 
because it's not just about getting from point A to point B. It's about what you learn on the way. It's about the forgiveness that you extend. It's about learning from the mistakes you've made. It's about learning how to walk in faith rather than walking in fear. It's learning how to love. It's learning how to have fun on the journey. How about you? But I want to have fun on the journey. You with me? I mean, anybody, anybody here love road trips? Yeah, some people do. Those people that love road trips know how to make it fun. Because it ain't no fun when you travel with two little girls. Daddy, when's the next stop? I got to use the bathroom. Daddy, when's the next time I'm hungry? Daddy, when's the next time I'm thirsty? And so you have to learn to make this journey fun. You want it. You might as well enjoy it. Are you with me? The story takes a, a massive turn. And as it takes a turn, we begin to see that the focus is no longer the destination. Why? Because it's about what happens in these in-between moments. And Peter does what so many of us do walking through life. He prays a stupid prayer. True. Peter prays probably, I think, one of the dumbest prayers in the Bible. Remember the scene. The boat is rocking, water's coming in, they're afraid, they think it's a ghost walking towards them. The ghost then speaks. I mean, come on, have you ever watched a horror flick before? Probably not because you're Christians. But when you ask a ghost, I mean, I mean, of course the ghost is gonna lie. Don't be afraid, it's I, Jesus. Yeah, right. Like I'm gonna believe that one. You just wanna kill me, right? I'm staying in the boat. I thought it was a ghost. No, it's not a ghost. Yeah, all ghosts say that. I'm not, no, huh, you're a ghost. And Peter prays the stupidest prayer ever. Oh, yeah? Jesus, if it's you, then tell me to come. Come. Crap. Right? I mean, I would have prayed something completely different. That's the stupidest prayer ever, but so many of us do. I would have prayed something like, Jesus, if that's really you, can we be over on the other side by a fire with a tent over us eating fish? That right there is a good prayer. Right? But no. Oh, yeah, if it's you, then tell me to come out there. Come. Right? Praise a stupid prayer. I prayed stupid prayers before. I'll never forget, I was an intern. Me and my wife were married. Uh, we were an intern at a church in Seattle, and one of my pastors was so elegantly sharing this story, and he was talking about, you know, when I was younger, I just wanted to do something for God. But I thought about tools in the shed, and I thought about a snow shovel, and you only pull a snow shovel out when it snows. And so that, that shovel usually looks clean and pristine, and it never gets used because, come on, it's never going to snow in San Diego. And, uh, you know, so it just sits there, right, and it never gets used. And so I prayed a prayer that said, Lord, I want to be like a pair of scissors that sits in that drawer that gets used for everything. And I was sitting there, I was like, yeah, that's what I want. And I remember hearing him so moved by his story. I was like, God, some of you are like, yeah, that's what I want. Don't do it. Don't pray it. I prayed, I was like, God, I want to be like the pair of scissors that gets pulled out of the drawer and used for anything, opening food, and opening cans, and opening envelopes, and, and you know, whatever, you know, just, right? I want to be the scissors. And all of a sudden, God begins to use me in these variety of ways, and I'm complaining. God, what are you doing? I don't want to do this, right? Like, God, I will do anything for you. Man, I will serve you in any capacity, but I won't do that. But I won't do that. Right? Peter prays a stupid prayer, and I believe some of us have prayed some stupid prayers. And then God says, okay. And you're like, uh, I'll do set up and pack up. Okay. Oh. How often is that? Just every other weekend. Oh. I'll serve in children. Sign me up. I love kids and I love Jesus. And then you work with somebody else's kids. You're like, I hate kids. 
right? We'll do anything. We pray these prayers, and Peter does it. And Jesus says, come. And now, it didn't take faith to stay back in the boat. Matter of fact, they were afraid in the boat. But he gets his God said. Peter, come. Okay. This is where he needs faith. And he begins to step out of the boat. Peter steps out of the boat. Gets his God said. Takes his first step. Takes his first step. It wasn't until Peter let go of the boat that faith kicked in. When I had the security of the boat, I didn't need faith. It's when I let go of the boat that now I need to begin to walk. Are you with me? I need faith for that. I don't need faith for here. I need faith for, for this right, right here. And see, there's so many principles in the Bible, so many so many principles. I'm, I mean, I, I, I probably talk to, you know, 90% of you and say, hey, do you love Jesus with all your heart? I do. Do you, do you follow the Bible with all? I do. Do you believe? Yeah, I do. But yet, if we were to break open the Bible and read some scriptures and, and begin to read it and look at it, I bet you would find some areas that, like, I don't know if I really believe that part of it. I don't know about that. Like, there's, a, there's like, this principle in, 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 the, in the Christian world that we see in the Bible from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. And yes, you even see it in the law, and it's this idea of tithing. Tithing is the practice where Christians give 10% of their income to God through the local church. In the Old Testament, it was through the hands of the priests. In the New Testament, it was through the apostles and then eventually through the hands of the local churches that were established. And we see this practice of tithing. What was it there for? It was to, it was to basically pay for the needs, uh, we'll put it in these terms, pay for the needs of the pastor so that he could study, he could pray, he could, he could lead the people, he could disciple the people and raise up in our context here to start churches, to help, help have staff to make church happen, to get supplies, to pay for schools. And we see it all the way through. And I know people would argue, I don't know, I see tithing here, I don't see it there. Why did Jesus then look at the Pharisees and say, hey, don't neglect the tithe, but also don't neglect these things? It's this principle of tithing. We say, God, we trust you, man. We are all in. God, we love you. God, we're, we're, we're there. And then it comes time to tithe on a Sunday morning, or the best way to do it is via our app or online. Right? There comes this idea of tithing. And we're like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll follow you anywhere, but not there. And here's why. Here's why people don't tithe. Here's why people don't tithe. I've got to let go of the rope and trust God now. I mean, here I have 100%, and I'm still going in the hole. But if I only have 90%, I'm really going to go in the hole. It's fear. But watch what happens when you let go and say, God, I'm going to try it. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't know how, because back there I had 100% and I was going broke. But now I only have 90% and I don't get it. And yes, I'm using wisdom and I have a thing called a budget and I balance my checkbook. 
And I'm making my way over here, and I'm like, I don't know. And all of a sudden, I get over here, and I'm like, wow, God really is a rewarder. Man, God, man, you know what? I just pleased God with my faith. I had faith with my finances, and I thought holding on to it was the best way to go because if I have 100, I'm going to hold surely with 90, I'm going to go in the hole. But you know what? I learned something. I let go, and I walk in the way God wants me to walk, and I made it to the other side, and now I have money in the bank. I can't figure it out. It's called faith, and it's how you please God. It's called faith. I remember a couple not too long ago right here in our church, and I need to wrap this thing up. Um, I, I remember this couple in our church, and they came to me, and I, I'll never forget them. And they're awesome. They have an incredible ministry. They're, they're, they're leading a ministry now in our church. And I don't know, probably two years ago, they came to me, and, and like, we have a question about tithing. I'm like, yeah, bring it. What is it? I love questions about tithing. I was like, what is it? They're like, we don't see how we can. Actually, one of them was like, I think we need to. And the other one's like, I don't see how we can because you know, this isn't working out. A couple of thoughts. is like, well, if it's not working out with 100, you might as well try it. <laughs> Are you with me? You ain't making it with 100. I mean, just might as well try it with 90 and see what happens, right? But I said these words. I said, you know what? I, 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 I know what you're going through. I've been there before too, but I, I can honestly say that for, gosh, 19 and a half years straight, I have, I've never stopped tithing. And I believe it's, it's why the blessings of God are on my life. I said, Pastor, I thought this was a message about fear and faith, not money. Well, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I remember meeting with this couple and saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get through the holidays, and starting in January, I want you to just tithe, give 10%. Because it's not just giving 10% of our income. It's actually the first part. It's not, it's, it's not line item budget number 17. It's number one. I make $10,000 this year. 1000 goes here. Did I do my math right? Yes. Right? Okay. And I said, get through the holidays. Do this. And I'll never forget about March. They came up to me. And they're pretty serious people anyway. I mean, they're fun, but they like, I, I never know sometimes, like, are you mad at me? <laughs> they come over to me, and I remember, i never forget, the wife looks at me and goes, um, we need to talk about the tithe thing. And I'm like, yeah? Because this is what I told them. I said, if it doesn't work, never tithe again. So they came up to me, like, we need to talk about the tithe thing. I'm like, yeah. They're like, we started doing it. I'm, I want to tell you something. We will never. And I'm like, I was said, stop tithing. I'm like, Thank you, Jesus, for backing up my words, <laughs> all right, because they're his words. So, Pastor, why are you talking about that one? Because, honestly, it's just an initial test of the heart. Where's your heart at? But everything in life, ladies and gentlemen, is lived in this moment right here. And you can either choose to live it with faith or you can choose to live it with fear. And so Peter, he actually gets out of the boat. Now, I know Peter gets a bum rap sometimes because he sinks. And the problem is the flannel graph you saw in Sunday school. Because they got the boat right here and all the little disciples here, and then they just put Peter, like, sinking like a foot away from the boat. You ever seen that one? Hell. Okay, and Jesus is still way over there. That is not the story. Read the story. He actually got out of the boat. He actually walked on water. And make no mistakes, it wasn't the wind and the waves that caused him to sink because the Bible said he saw the wind and the waves and then he got afraid. It was the fear, the antithesis of faith, that caused him to sink. And so now he gets fearful and afraid and, and he begins to sink. But look what happens when he sinks. He gets a bum rap. He obviously looks back and realizes it's too far. He is literally a distance away from the boat. It is too far for me to go back. He gets afraid and sinks, but immediately, immediately, look at what it says. Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus sprinted towards him. It doesn't say that Jesus did a dive towards him. It says that immediately Jesus just reached out his hand, boom, and caught him. 
That is impressive. He made it, and he was almost there. What was the cause of him sinking? It was the fact that he got afraid. But ladies and gentlemen, I would rather be out here afraid and caught in the arms of Jesus than back in the boat fearful about what may happen somewhere out there. It just takes faith to step out, to let go. And he was walking, and he was focused, but he took his focus, much like I did. When I was focused on that one thing, there was no wobbling. I was steady. The minute I looked down, fear. Peter takes his eyes off his focus. Jesus, fear sets into his heart. But if you would continue, ladies and gentlemen, to hold on to the fact that Jesus told me to come. And there he is, and he told me to come. It doesn't matter what's going on. I know life, man, see, see so many of us start out on this journey, and it can be painful, and it can be excruciating. We're in the middle of it. We're like, why did we ever start? I want to go back there. But if we just stay focused on the fact that Jesus told us to come, Jesus said do that ministry, Jesus said tithe, Jesus said that, and we keep our focus, and we continue to head forward. Either way, we're going to end up in the arms of Jesus. Whether we fall short, he's going to catch us, or whether we make it all the way to the other side. And once you get to the other side, guess what he's going to do? He's going to whisper in the ear and say, well done, good and faithful son, daughter, well done. And then he's going to whisper, here's your next assignment. <laughs> I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but when it comes to fear, I don't want fear because fear causes me to be ungrateful. Fear causes me to doubt. Fear causes me to look back. How do I overcome fear with faith? When do I need faith? I don't need it for here, and I don't need it for there. I need faith for this moment right here because I walk by faith, not by sight. And as long as I keep focusing on him and keep moving forward, I believe we're going to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of us, and then he's going to send us on another journey. Do you believe that this morning? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.